Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. Robert Winfrey here, your host, taking you through the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. Uh, all right, on the agenda today, oh boy, last night, man, uh, UFC on ESPN 18, which we previewed last week, went through a, a bit of an ups. Uh, <laughs> Oh, man. I, okay. I Save it. I'll, I'll talk about it when I talk about the card. Did not look the same way as it was originally scheduled. To the shock of no one. We'll have a review of that. Uh, we'll have a preview of this upcoming card, which has undergone yet another change in the main event. <laughs> and news of the week, such as it was. Uh, not a whole lot, but a little bit. Uh, all right. So before we get going, feel free to interact with the product, like, comment, subscribe, rate, tell a friend, please share us around, that all of that helps. Every single bit of it helps. Uh, yeah. Alright, so let's get going. UFC on ESPN 18. Main event was originally supposed to be Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades. Wasn't exactly looking forward to that fight personally, but it's a relevant fight for the heavyweight division. Then, the day before the event, uh, Blades pops for COVID. So, no fight. Uh, the main event then gets bumped. Uh, the new main event becomes Anthony Smith versus Devin Clark. Uh, so, yeah, that was your main event. Uh, Anthony Smith defeats Seven Clark via triangle choke, 234 of the first. Not a whole lot here. Clark came out, tried to bum rush things. Smith got a body lock takedown, worked from top position for a bit, got the back. Clark survived, eventually reversed, got on top, and then got triangled. Uh, look, Smith has taken some pretty bad beatings recently. That said, they were also against Glover, who's despite being, you know, 40-plus years old, making another run towards the top. And Alexander Rakich, who is legitimately the... Uh, I should say legitimately, potentially. One of the best rising contenders that division has right now. He uh, And, I mean, Devin Clark's UFC record was like 6-4, and four, I think, coming into this. He's, he's just kind of a guy taking up space on the roster. And Smith is still good enough to beat those guys, so kudos to him. Uh, I saw somebody suggest uh, we could finally get the rematch between him and Tiago Santos. Those two fought back at middleweight, and Santos TKO'd Smith with body kicks. I could see a rematch at light heavyweight, especially now that uh, Santos lost his fight with Teixeira. I know Smith just broke a two-fight losing streak here, but between light heavyweight just not being a very deep division, and, yeah, they have some history to play off of, you know, you, you, I mean, sure. Look, light heavyweight's gonna be, we really have to hope, not to not to go on too big of a tangent here, but we really need to hope that this current crop of talent, you know, the guy's kind of rising, uh, Rakic, Prohachka, who's got a fight with Dominic Reyes coming up. Maybe Reyes can rebound and save bits of his career. Uh, there were a couple of other 
uh, there were a couple of other guys you know, lower on the, or either just newly introduced or just lower, who might have a bit of potential. We're all kind of looking at them and going, okay, we really need this crop. <laughs> We've had like two or three <laughs> crops of talent at light heavyweight just not pan out. Not be able to get over the hump, not be able to put things together, not be able to stay healthy, whatever it is. We really kind of need this one to pan out and uh, overcome the previous generation of... Uh, this is like two generations removed now. I mean, Shogun just barely finally got ousted from the top 15 rankings after his last fight. Uh, this division desperately needs this next group to kind of rise to the occasion. And Smith, where Smith and Santos fit into that discussion is a little bit unclear. Uh, but, you know, throwing them together for a rematch, not the worst thing you could do. As for Clark, he's... He's still basically in the same spot he was before the loss here. Did, he's, he's just there. Uh, Co-main event, Miguel Baeza defeated Takashi Sato via arm triangle for 28 of the second. Pretty good fight here. Baeza, unfortunately, had uh, had been on a bit the shelf for a bit because before this, his last fight was May. Well, that was May of 2020. What was I thinking of? Oh, he's been pretty consistent, actually, huh? Wonder why he just kind of. Uh. He was supposed to fight. Oh, he was supposed to fight Mickey Gall. Uh. Yeah, that fell apart, so he just hadn't quite... Uh, I mean, his knockout of Matt Brown was really impressive. So he's kind of been rising, and here stopping Sato like that... Uh, the guy's only, what, 10-0, and 0, I think? Maybe this was 10? Yeah, 10-0. And, and he's 28, though. Uh, anyway... He could be a very real player at welterweight. He's got a good kicking game. He's got a good ground game. Uh, still need, still needs to be brought along a bit slowly. Again, ten and zero. You know, only ten fights. We're not talking a guy being rushed into the title picture, but a lot of ability is very evident in that man. Uh, next up, our walrus fight of the evening. Parker Porter defeated Josh Parisian via unanimous decision, 30 26, 30 27, 29 28. Uh, I was 30 26. I gave Porter a 10 8 second, I seem to recall. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to say here. It was fairly typical mid to low level heavyweight action. Parisian's really good for about a minute and a half. Uh,. He's really dangerous during that point. They both hit each other, but Porter had better cardio and just kind of was able to keep a consistent pace and pressure that Parisian couldn't match. Uh, let's see. Bill Algio defeated Spike Carlisle via unanimous decision, 30-27 across the board. If you enjoy kind of sloppy, scrambly stuff, uh, this was a good fight. Uh, I don't have a whole lot here. Carlisle... I say this. Um, the style of hard charging, even a wrestling heavy hard charging offense, uh, especially if you fight at a pace you can't sustain but will wilt a lot of opposition, 
that will work throughout most of the regional scene. That will even work to some degree in the UFC. But by the time you get into decent UFC opposition, people aren't just going to wilt under it, and then you've gassed yourself out in the first round. It's kind of the reality Carlisle is running up against here. Uh, let's see. Next up, Norma Dumont defeated Ashley Evan Smith for unanimous decision, 30-26 across the board. Uh, Dumont missed weight for this. She came in at 139.5 for bantamweight. Not good. Uh, Post-fight, she said it was to do with her menstrual cycle. I don't know how true that is, but... Uh, having to time your weight cut kind of in conjunction with hormonal irregularities is a thing that female fighters have to figure out. So... Uh, some, if she misses again, that'll be a real problem. Now, that said, Dumont looked pretty good. Uh, she was landing better kicks, had good... You know, she was the harder puncher by a fair bit. Pretty good about finding just a little bit of an outside angle and countering uh, Evan Smith whenever Evan Smith would come in. Uh, if Dumont can get the weight cut under control, I'm not saying champion at bantamweight, but... A relevant member of the division, certainly. And kicking off the main card, Jonathan Pierce defeated Kai Kamaka via TKO two, uh, 428 of the second. This was a good little fight. Kamaka has a lot of power, but he tends to be one or two and done if he's not really into brawling mode. Pierce just kept a good pace, uh, good volume, absorbed pressure when he needed to, Applied pressure when he needed to. A pretty fun little fight. There was no official fight of the night, so... Uh, and I can see the argument there. If I was... If I had some mandate where you must pick something from this card that's fight of the night, it might have been Pearson Kamaka, but... If not that... Yeah, it probably would have been that, now that I think about it. Right, anyway, on the prelims, Anderson Dos Santos defeated Martin Day via guillotine choke 435 of the first... Uh, Dos Santos ended a bit of a layoff here. He was off for about 18 months. But he's got some potential. He got Day down, beat him up a little bit. Day escaped, hit a double leg of his own, but left his neck in the guillotine, and that was all she wrote. Uh, Gina Mazzani defeated Rachel Ostovich via TKO, 410 of the third. Um, the finishing sequence was a couple of Pretty nasty front kicks to the body from Mazzani. Uh, just a fairly typical... They were opposite stances. I think Mazzani was southpaw. So Mazzani comes up. Uh, rear leg, just stabbing front kick. Uh, with the toes and the ball of the foot straight into the liver. Ostovich kind of crumples. She jumps on her. Ostovich fights back up. Mazzani just kicks her in the body again, just the same way. She drops again. That's it. Uh... I don't think it should be a controversial sentiment to say that Rachel Ostovich should not be in the UFC right now. I believe this brings her professional record to 4-6. and six. She got brought in as part of a season of the Ultimate Fighter for the uh, women's flyweights. And it's... I'm not... There's, there's a segment of the, of the fandom that, I don't know if they're going to hear this or not, that it would just get mad at me no matter what I say here, so let me partially because of listening comprehension skills, but let me be clear. 
It is not that Rachel Ostovich can't fight. She can. She was part of that season because she is an attractive woman. And that's part of why the UFC decided to give her a shot instead of other people from that show. Uh, she's not a bad fighter, but she's not really a UFC level, uh, even for women's flyweight at the moment. I mean, her UFC record right now is... What, like one in three? Yeah, one in three on a three-fight losing streak. Uh, that's just not someone who should her career is not uh, even being serviced by her <laughs> by her being in the UFC right now she's not really in the position to improve consistently and I, they'll probably give her another shot but I, I do wonder if it wouldn't be better for her career to go back to Invicta get some more seasoning, get some more experience, and then potentially come back, uh, you know, in a year or so. Because she's only 29. You know, there's, uh, there is certainly time for her to turn things around, but, uh, and that it's also, an, it's unclear to me whether or not the UFC is the right place for that. Uh, you know, Mazzani got a win she kind of needed. This was Mazzani's flyweight debut, I seem to recall. Let me double check that. Yeah. This brings her UFC record to 3-4. and four. But the path to a title shot at flyweight is short, potentially. You just have to then overcome an incredibly steep challenge in the form of Valentina Shevchenko. But, uh, you know, shorter path to the title, a very, very stiff challenge at the end of it. But, you know... More, more bodies at flyweight is probably a good thing for the UFC. They desperately need to kind of flesh that division out. Uh, at flyweight, Sumu Darji. I need to double-check something about this guy. Because he's listed as uh, Sumu Darji, and I'm not sure if Mudarji is his family name or if Sue is his family name. Uh, because of how it's potentially been listed. I even saw some places that had Sumudarji as one name and then he had something else after it. I don't... I'm just not sure, so I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I, it's just not clear to me which of those is correct. So, I'm going to go with Sue at the moment as his family name. If I'm mistaken, my bad. Uh, he defeated Malcolm Gordon via knockout, 44 seconds of the first round. Uh, Gordon should not be in the UFC. If you can't deal with an opposite stance fighter, just stepping a little bit to the outside and throwing a straight uh, down the middle, if you don't have an answer for that, you you just there's a lot you don't have an answer for. Uh, you know, flyweight is sort of rebuilding itself at the moment after the UFC very nearly got rid of it. Uh, I think I think Sue's a good addition, certainly. And how far he'll go, well, that remains to be seen. But certainly a strong introduction, even if it's over someone who probably shouldn't be in the UFC. But you know, you you have to go out there and win those fights, and he did. 
And kicking everything off, Nathan Manis defeated Manis, excuse me, defeated Luke Sanders via rear naked choke, two twenty nine of the second. Um, perfectly acceptable fight. Uh, Sanders pushing forward at certain points, kind of walking into a few punches, but swinging heavy leather. The end came when they were breaking away from a kind of a loose clinch scenario, and Manis hammered, uh, he hammered Sanders with a one two. Dropped him, got on his back, choked him out. Uh, solid, solid outing from Manus. You know, I tweeted out a joke after this fight, because for those of you who may not know this, uh, Luke Sanders used to be in a relationship with WWE superstar Becky Lynch. She was cage side at one of his fights. Uh, I don't know. They broke up a while ago. So I jokingly tweeted... You know, Luke Sanders never recovered because I don't think he's got a... I think he's like one in three cents. I think that only win was over Hennon Barrow. Uh, maybe he had the Patrick Williams win in there somewhere. I forget exactly when they broke up, but you know, just the joke was you know, he never recovered uh, after that relationship ended. Uh... I was not aware of just how many like Twitter accounts there are that search terms not not like hashtags or account ads but just like this tweet has in its body Becky Lynch and just we will now interact with this tweet like I did not know that was really a thing it's weird because uh, again I'm just all I'm doing is making a, a, a semi-humorous observation try, uh, because I thought it was funny and I I Again, I just did not realize the extent to which that was a thing on Twitter. So, Ugh. weirdness. Anyway, that was your card. A um, lot of finishes. Nothing great. Um, let's see if I were to recommend anything. Manus and Sanders is decent fun. Dos Santos. I mean, anything that ends in the first round is usually. Uh, a small enough investment of time that you could watch it. Um, any of these that went the distance, you could skip. Yeah, unless you really like again scrambly wrestling stuff, then Algio and Carlisle might in, might amuse you. But uh, you know, better than on this performed better than it looked on paper. But it's the UFC is ending this year, and I'm going to get more into this maybe in a little bit. I, I just need to say this very briefly. The UFC is going to limp across the 2020 finish line and get to 42 events. And that's all they care about. They've got to hit their minimum number of events. And they're barely going to do it, assuming the number is 42. Which is kind of what everyone had reported. Somewhere 40, 41, 42, that range. And <laughs> they don't care what they put out. These last few cards... They are just they are just the machinery turning over. There's not a lot here. Um, I minor two fifty six is not going to do well commercially, but has a lot of uh, two fifty six is a pretty given some of the fights that have moved around due to COVID issues. Two fifty six right now. Just do this briefly. Yeah, Figueredo and Moreno main event again. This is not going to do well commercially. But your main card right now is that flyweight title fight, Tony Ferguson and Charles Oliveira, Hanato Moicano and uh, Rafael Fiziev, uh, Junior Dos Santos and Cyril Gaon. 
I mean, also that's a good card. Also featured on that card. Okay, uh, there's a crappy heavyweight fight. What are you gonna do? Uh, you have Jacare Souza and Kevin Holland, Legion Leong and Dwight Grant, uh, Billy Quarantillo, Billy Quarantillo and Gavin Tucker. He prefers the double L. Uh, Cub Swanson and Daniel Pineda, Carl Robertson and uh, Dul excuse me, Dulce yeah, There's a fair amount of value on that card. 256 right now is commercially probably not going to do well. For those of us that know what's up, that right now is currently set as a pretty solid card. But, uh, yeah, the others, I mean, so, uh, that that's a good segue. So just to close on the previous event, thank you to everyone who, wa who read along after the fact or read along live. I appreciate you guys. I know there was a lot more buzz around the Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. exhibition bout. And this was not a very buzz-heavy card. I get it. So thank you to anyone who did read. Uh, I appreciate the heck out of you guys. All right. Uh, but that does that does kind of move us into this upcoming event. Uh, our original main event for this card was Darren Till and Jack Hermanson. Um. Till got an injury, he pulled out. Kevin Holland stepped up on fairly short notice. Holland tested positive and for COVID and will now, uh, again, fight Jacques de Souza at UFC 256. Marvin Vittori, who was on this card facing uh, somebody else, will now step into your main event. So the main event, Jack Hermanson against Marvin Vittori. Um, Vittori is not a pushover. I mean, his... Only loss. He only has two losses in the UFC. One to Antonio Carlos Jr. One to Adesanya, Israel Adesanya. And I think outside of Kelvin Gastelum, Marvin Vittori gave Adesanya his toughest fight. Whether that would still be true if they met again or not, uh, I tend to think the rematch would be a little bit more decisive in favor of Adesanya. But Vittori is no chump. Uh, I will not be surprised if he wins. Just put it like that. I do favor Hermanson, though. Hermanson has a much better level of general opposition that he's faced. Uh, he's beaten some. He's beaten a better level of opposition. I'm talking about a guy with wins over, you know, Kelvin uh, Gastelum and Jacare, whose only UFC losses are to Cesar Fajaya, Tiago Santos, and Jared Cannonier. Uh, you know, okay, the Fajaya loss may not have aged all that well, but he bounced back and. The losses to Santos and Cannoneer don't really look that bad. I mean, Santos now, you know, fought for the belt up a weight class. And Cannoneer was on a great run and, you know, very nearly fought for the title. So I'm... I'm okay leaning Hermanson, but I will not be surprised if Vittori pulls that off. Um, I'm going to go quickly through the rest of these because... There's not a lot here. We have a light heavyweight fight between Ovin St. Prue and Jamal Hill. I believe this is Hill's UFC debut. I want to double check that, though. Uh, he's 8-0. and oh. If he has fought in the UFC, it's only... Yeah, he's a contender series guy. No, he fought once. Okay. 
twice? Jeez, how have I forgotten this guy? We've had Darko, Darko Stasic and <laughs> Klitsin Abreu. I mean, I saw both of those fights. I covered them. I have no memory of this guy. Um, look, St. Prue, I've done my spiel in the past about him. He's 37. He's <laughs> been really, really up and down through his entire career. Uh, he knocked out Alonzo Menafield in his last fight, but... Uh, I don't know. If OSP is still at that same level, this is a very winnable fight for him. But if the rising generation of 205ers is going to start pushing people out, then Hill really does want to take out a, a long-standing gatekeeper like St. Pro. So, uh, Pretty big step up for Hill after just uh, two wins in the UFC. I think St. Pro's still ranked. Uh, double-check that. Let me get the rankings page here. You know, light heavyweight being what it is, he might still be ranked. Uh, yeah, St. Prue is, in fact, number 15, so he just barely got bumped up in place of Shogun. Uh, so I, I'm, uh, I'm going to pick St. Prue, but that guy's so all over the place, man. Who knows? Women's flyweight fight between Montana De La Rosa and Talia Santos, or Talia. I think she's Talia. Uh, I actually kind of like Santos here. Uh, Montana's not bad, but she's... Her last couple of fights, even some of the ones that she's won, have not been especially impressive. Uh, I mean, she beat Mara Romero Barella, but didn't look great doing it. Lost to Viviani Araujo. Um, I am going to go with Santos here, but uh, might be wrong about that. Another light heavyweight fight. Two on the main card. Lord help us all. Uh, Roman Delice versus John Allen Art. Delice has fought for the UFC once, I think. Yeah, he beat Khadisi Bragimov. Thought he was familiar. And now he's fighting John Allen, who is making his debut. No, fought Mike Rodriguez to a no contest uh, in July of last year. Uh, I need to have a look at that real fast. into a no contest. Oh, failed a drug test. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, I'll go with Delidze, actually. And kicking off the main card, we have a featherweight fight between uh, Movsar of Loev and Nate Landworth. That's not a bad fight, actually. Yeah, outside of the main event, that might be the best fight on this entire card. Uh, Evloev, 13-0, has a couple of fights in the UFC. Uh, three, actually. Landwer, uh, wild man. Uh, one and one in the UFC, lost to Herbert Burns, but rebounded by beating Darren Elkins. 
I definitely prefer, uh, favor of low up there. I tend to favor the more technically sound fighters in this instance, but Landwer can be a bit of a physical force if he wants to, and uh, not a gimme. So that's the main card as it currently stands. Prelims, there's a heavyweight fight between John Volante and Jake Collier. I, I can't really get my head around this. Okay, John Volante hasn't... Uh, his last finish was in 2016. That won't stop the UFC from trying to sell him as a finisher. Uh, his only wins... In his last... His, rec his recent record is... 2 and 5. And both of those wins were split decisions that very, very easily could have gone the other way. He's on a two-fight losing streak. Oh, he got hit with that arm triangle from the bottom when he fought Maurice Green in June. One of the funniest things I've ever seen. I hadn't laughed that hard in a long time. Uh, for some reason, he's still here. And Jake Collier used to fight at middleweight. Uh, he was off for three years after he had a drug test issue, and then I think he had uh, he had some kind of an injury as well. Because he, uh, yeah, his suspension ended in October of 19, but he didn't fight until July of 20, when he showed up at heavyweight, and <laughs> oh my, he barely looked like the same guy. Ugh. This fight will be a train wreck. I don't pick John Volante to win anything, so I'm not picking him here, but if you've ever seen, you know, like, two walruses have beef, uh, that's what this will look like. Lightweight fight. Matt Wyman still kicking around. He'll fight Jordan Levitt. Uh, Levitt. He's fought in the UFC, I seem to recall. Nope, contender series. Uh, Wyman has not had a great run recently. No, he's on a two-fight losing streak. I mean, he was off for like five years. Yeah, I won't pick Wyman here. I'll, I'll pick Levitt. Flyweight fight, Jimmy Flick and Cody Durden. I believe both of these gentlemen are making their UFC debuts. Uh, Flick, 15-5, and five, coming off of a contender series win. And Durden, 11-2-1. and one. Uh, he oh he fought to a draw with Chris Gutierrez. Hmm. I vaguely recall that fight. Is that the one where he got deducted a point for groin strikes? It was the Brunson versus Shabazian card. Hmm. Uh no. Different fight on the same card was the one that had multiple groin strikes and a point deduction. Uh, this one was just a straight unanimous 28-28 across the board. Uh, and I vaguely recall this fight, so... Um, hmm. Picking a winner there. Probably go with Flick, but... Eh. I, I, I'm not sold on that. See, Featherweight. Ilya to uh, excuse me, Teporia and, and, uh, Damon Jackson. Uh, let's see, Teporia, he fought in the UFC once, right? Yeah, he beat Yusef Zalal. Ruined Zalal's really stellar 2020. 
Uh, whereas Jackson, he just beat uh, Bekdich. Right, right. Guillotined him. Hmm. That might turn into a decent little fight. I'll pick Jackson, but eh. Again, I'm not sold on that. Let's see, Gabriel Benitez and Justin James. Mowgli's back. What's he been doing for? He's been on for a while. No, he fought, he fought earlier this year. He had some layoff, didn't he? Yeah, he only fought once in uh, 18 and once in 19. Let's see, he lost his earlier fight against Omar Morales this year. Whereas James, one and one. Probably go with James there, but that might that might turn into a decent. I mean, it's lightweight, so probably get a decent scrap out of it. And at bantamweight, rescheduled from a previous event after a COVID test from somebody, Luis Smolka will fight Jose Alberto Quinones. Uh, I think I favored Quinones when we did this before. I feel okay favoring him again. I mean, I don't have anything against Smolka, but um. He has, uh, I feel like his style has, like the game, a lot of the game has caught up to his style at this point. I, I might be mistaken there, but that is a little bit of my read on that. So that is UFC on ESPN 19. Uh, come back on Saturday and the MMA Zona 411 Mania, and I will have live coverage of that. So please do stop by, say hello, support my work. I appreciate it. All right, uh, let's see. On to the news, such as it is. There's not a lot here. Uh, okay, something interesting at the close of the pre post-fight presser from last night. I think the last question asked uh, was about Yair Rodriguez. And Dana White had a interesting kind of response. He looked at someone, uh, someone, else, uh, uh, someone else in the company, looked off camera and asked if they had talked about that publicly yet. So, and then the only thing he said was, you know, it's what happened is not any of my business, meaning it wasn't uh, either fight-related or injury-related. And something to the effect of, I don't think you'll see Rodriguez fight for a long time. Uh, this has led to speculation, because of course it will. Uh, some have speculated this is a USADA, that means, this means Rodriguez uh, you know, failed a drug test. And USADA, the reason they haven't talked about it is USADA doing their due diligence. Could be something more serious than that in terms of legal trouble. Uh, so nothing has come out yet as far as I know, but the UFC is clearly in possession of some knowledge that they are not at liberty to share at the moment. Uh, that indicates that Rodriguez might be uh, might not be a factor for them for a while. So... Uh, We'll have to find someone else for uh, Zabit to sign fighting and then avoid fighting off and on for a couple of years. Uh, let's see. I think the only other thing I have here... Uh, the UFC has started fleshing out some of their cards for uh, the start of 21. So we have uh, the big... Uh, I shouldn't say the big one, but the first card of the year, January 16th. Uh, we know his schedule... It's kind of loosely scheduled... Uh, They've said, this hasn't been confirmed, confirmed to the best of my knowledge, but I think indicators are that this will be back in Abu Dhabi. 
the main event for that is right now set to be a featherweight fight between Max Holloway and Calvin Cater. Great fight. That is a really, really good fight. Uh, I am... Uh, it's a big step up for Cater. Uh, and Cater's style might pose some problems for Holloway, but you know, ditto the reverse. Uh, I don't... I don't have too many hesitations about picking Max Holloway to beat everyone in that division, not Volkanovski. And uh, even then, you know, he's he and Volkanovski went life and death in that last fight. I mean, not in a knockdown, dragout war sense, but that was a razor close fight. It was a razor close fight. Um, anything else on that card actually? That's kind of a one-fight card, jeez. Uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio finally getting back in the cage. Uh, he hasn't fought since November of 18 when he knocked out Neil Magny. Jeez. I mean, he had a he had a pretty gnarly staff infection that forced him out of his fight with Robbie Lawler. Really unfortunate because that was a he was riding high. That would have been a big moment for him. But he's, he'll be back for that against Muslim Salikov. So, okay, that's a good fight. Um, yeah, all right. That's, that, that's really all I'm kind of looking forward to right now as far as what is currently listed. So, given the rapidly state of change, the rapid state of change that most of these events go through, Probably will not look a whole lot like that come fight night, but hopefully Holloway and Cater holds together because that's a really good fight. Um, been some disputed reports about Shemaev potentially having COVID and being off of the Edwards fight. Uh, that card, you can have someone else step up and fight Edwards, or you could just promote Thompson and Neil. That's a fairly robust card. Uh, I'm not worried about that one. I, I would not be worried about that event not being worth watching, unless a lot of fights fall out, which also might happen. Uh, okay, yeah, I think that's it for news. Let me uh, check Twitter one more time, and then we'll get out of here. Nope, does not look like anything crazy is broken in the world of MMA. So let's go ahead and do plugs, and then get out of here. Uh, I don't have a lot to plug. Again, Fridays, you can find me in the wrestling zone of 411 Mania covering SmackDown, much to the ongoing chagrin of a giant portion of the fan base. Uh, you can find me Saturdays doing the UFC thing in the MMA zone. Um, don't think I have any reviews coming up. Not a lot. I say not a lot's come out. Uh, December and then into the first quarter of 21, there's a lot more content being dropped across various platforms. So the my other podcasting endeavors will pick back up around then, but until then, uh, you only have to suffer through me on this show at the moment. I, uh, yeah. All right. Um, pretty sure that's it. Thank you all very much. Deeply appreciate the support you give to myself and this show. Please, again, like, comment, subscribe, share, tell a friend, rate, all of it. I'll be back next week to review UFC on ESPN 19 and preview UFC 256. Which, again, for your value, if you're, if you're you know, more on the hardcore side of things, a lot of value to be had on that card as things currently stand. So hopefully it all holds together. 
Alright, see you next time. Stay safe out there, and please continue to be well, be safe, and behave.